Good morning, folks. I hope everyone is doing well. My name is Tim Wheaton with MMA Saka, joined as always by the editor at MMA Saka, Fraser Crone. Fraser, how's everything today, man? Yeah, we were just saying, you know, last weekend we had obviously quite a busy weekend with one one X and uh, and the UFC, and then this weekend we've got a quiet weekend. So it'll be mostly a, a breakdown show, I think, this weekend from us two of uh, of one championship and the UFC that went down, and then we might uh, jump into some fight announcements because it's been a busy week for. McMahon and Sean Shelby this week. <laughs> Man, it's always a busy week for those two boys. Uh, Nathan Diaz has asked for a release out of contract. Tag the wrong Hunter Campbell on Twitter, which is always a classic. Always tag the wrong person. Always talk to the wrong John Jones and folks like this. What's going on with Nate? Do you think he's trying to box Jake Paul? Like this is this has to be the thing that he's trying to do. Yeah, I think I think he's trying to stay relevant. To be honest, you know he's he's yeah. It's difficult for Nate, I think, because, you know, he hasn't fought, uh, you know, the last time he fought was was last year against Leon Edwards. And, you, you know, you, you can't lose 24 and a half minutes of a fight, tag someone and then point at them. And, and, and in my opinion, still stay relevant in the sport for the hardcore fan, for the um, for the casual fan that maybe didn't didn't watch that fight. You know, you've got the picture of, of Diaz pointing at, at Edwards like, look, I got you. But. They yeah. didn't watch the 24 and a half minutes where Leon Edwards scored <laughs> Nate Diaz. They didn't watch the fight before when Jorge Masvidal pretty much dominated Nate Diaz. You know, um, Diaz is always going to be money. He's always going to be one of those guys that, you know, we tune in for the fight week itself, the, the antics. But if you're looking at really, you know, he, you know, he's looking for fights, but he, he doesn't, he, he strikes me as the kind of person that doesn't, always accept the fights that are given to him. You know, he's quite picky. He wants a Dustin Poirier, which for me is probably the fight to make at 165. Yeah. But, you know, we know that won't happen. He's he's a fully fledged welterweight now and he's nowhere, he's going to be nowhere near the welterweight belt. And, you know, the money fight at, at welterweight is Jorge Masvidal. And to be honest, he, he already lost pretty convincingly to Masvidal. Yes, it was a doctor's stoppage, but it was only really going one way if Masvidal could... Uh, yeah. manages cardio in that fourth round so like you say I don't think he's trying to box Jake Paul I think you know Jake Paul's trying to box Nate Diaz of course but Jake Paul's not trying to box anyone that could actually beat him let's be honest you know he's uh no beating Tyron Woodley twice he's, he's beating Ben Askren he's signed to fight Tommy Fury and then Tommy pulled out the fight so it's uh and obviously we got Jake Paul saying you know I'll be back in August well does any at this point until they announce an opponent who who is a boxer or uh, an MMA fighter that has is is infamous for their stand up? Mm-hmm. Sign me up. I'm not interested at the moment. You know, no, it's one of those like we have to talk about because it ended up being relevant. But one thing that you mentioned is is like people see the photo of Nate Diaz. You're asking a lot from Nate Diaz fans. Like you're asking them to think critically and look at something objectively. You are asking for way too much from Nathan Diaz fans. And that goes for Nick Diaz fans as well. So on this weekend we had one X and it was a, a banger up and down. We had 10 to 11 hours of fights starting at like I think five in the morning our time in the in the U.S., it was even worse. It started like midnight there. Shingiz Alizov was able to just absolutely pressure and chase down Sidichai constantly uh, and win the featherweight kickboxing Grand Prix. A few other really nice highlights was Hiroko Akimoto versus Capitan for the Bantamweight Kickboxing Championship was fight of the like fight of the year leader. People we were talking about, like, is this contender for a kickboxing fight of the year? I think it's already one kickboxing fight exactly. of the year. This it's only was- March as well, you know, it's- 
unreal this fight was insane the back and but not even back and forth just throwing in the pocket against each other for the full five rounds right like this was madness yeah for sure and you know going back to the sitter chai fight I, mm. he just never really got going in my opinion you know whether that was because of the way alisov was fighting when he was you know he, we've seen the the highlights all over all over social media of countering you know catching the kick and and landing the, the the straight to the body which you know I, re- I read something on Twitter it was a great piece of analysis I can't remember who's, who I read it from but you know when, when someone throws a kick they're obviously and then being countered with the body shot they're, they're having to both regain their balance regain their position and brace themselves ready for ready for the impact you know it's a, it's a brilliant counter by Alistair and he landed it multiple times throughout the fight on mm-hmm. Sister Chai and I think you know after he, he he never really got going. He couldn't kick into that next gear, it felt, which is surprising from Citadel. You know, it's not what we expect. But, um, yeah, yeah, Capitan, again, you know, I don't think it was really the fight that he was expecting. I think it, I almost feel like he expected to be respected more and he wasn't given that respect. And obviously it it played against him in, in, in that one because... It was fair, in my opinion, it was fairly obvious going into the final round that he needed a needed the finish. And again, like Sisichai, wasn't able to kick on into that second, third, fourth gear and and really put it on his opponent and, and get him out of there. So obviously, then you know, as we know now, it, it led to him picking up the L in that one. Yeah, no, it was it was an amazing fight, and I, I think Capitan does struggle a lot going from like he's a lifetime muay thai guy competing in kickboxing and like we saw him trying to reach for the clinch constantly as the counter just trying to adjust but the referee warned him a bunch of times before giving him a yellow card gave him two yellow cards in that fight hey that's a rough go there it's a rough loss uh hiroki hiroki has a little bit of a weird story as well because because of gym drama in japan and no one quite knows the true story but because of gym drama he got locked out of japanese kickboxing so he couldn't compete in k1 or k festa or crush or anything like that so he went to one to compete and good for him because this has been a highlight reel like this is one of the best moments i've seen in one championship history right here yeah for sure and, and like you say it's he's almost fallen upon that victory you know he, he was never supposed to he probably I I'll be honest. I didn't know that he was sort of sort of out uh, ousted from the from those uh, from those promotions. Yeah. So it's like you say, he's almost like I say. Sorry, he's almost sort of fallen into one championship. Ah, oh, one championship will have me. Oh, I'm actually doing quite well. I'm actually, and you know, he's progressing, <laughs> progressing, progressing, and then you know, he, he wins the the bantamweight world championship, which isn't an easy an easy thing to do. When we say bantamweight, you know, when we talk about Obviously, Bellator have got their bantamweight MMA Grand Prix on at the moment. Uh, well, starting in the next few months, we've got the next pay per view is the UFC bantamweight title. Is playing, you know, second fiddle. It's it's co-main event in one championship. Bantamweight, the, the lower weight division. It's like the WEC days of old. The lower weight divisions are the more competitive divisions. Let's be honest. You know, yes, we've got, you know, we, we had the Argent Bullers of the of the world competing at heavyweight but these these lighter weight classes the flyweight obviously we saw you know dj in action i'm sure we'll go on to we saw angela uh yeah. angela lee and stamp fair uh stamp fairtex go at it in the in the in the main event and that was at atom weight 
you know, these larger weight classes for one championship are the ones that are money, really. Let's, you know, and and the you know the bantamweight kickboxing championship isn't uh, isn't a throwaway belt. It's a if you yeah. if you if you win that belt now, you know, Akimoto is can progress on to bigger things. And I think the uh, the other promotions are really going to be kicking themselves that they sort of ousted him because you know at the end of the day he can go on to be a star now. He's got that kind of style and you can, you know, this fight alone, you can just pick up a highlights package from this fight alone. Yeah. Oh my God. It was just insane. Yeah. So I completely agree with you. One championships, lighter weight classes. That's, that's the money right there. Like I think two weeks ago or three weeks ago, they did their light heavyweight kickboxing championship. The guy got a first round knockout and then did his best to politely say, can I fight someone else from another promotion? <laughs> like, he's just like, there's, there's no one in one. Can I fight someone from somewhere else? Their lighter weight classes are proper stacked. All these people would do well somewhere in the UFC. I mean, obviously, kickboxing is a whole different thing, but those guys would do well in any kickboxing promotion, no matter where you put them. Uh, moving forward onto the bantamweight Muay Thai, Nongo just landed an uppercut from outer space. And uh, again, we, we hit another murder investigation on yeah. our hands. <laughs> what do you think of Nongo and his amazing uppercut? I have no idea why the referee didn't call it off the second that it landed, to be honest. He almost gave uh, Lobo a chance to get up, and it was like, uh, did you not see what's just happened? Why Why are you not? The second that the second that it landed, you need to be jumping in there to, to call the fight off. And he, like I say, he almost sort of, it appeared that he was giving uh, Lobo as, as the best opportunity to to you know, gather his senses and get back into the fight, but I don't want to see him get back into any fight in that situation. Good God, it was... Yeah, no, I'm I'm fine. Thanks for you know, thanks for coming. And it's it's like you say, yet another week and yet another murder investigation on our hands. We had Aaliyah Taporia last week, absolutely destroyed Jai Herbert, and and now we've got this one. It's it's a it's a rough sport sometimes to even watch. But when you like, you know, again though, like you say, these lighter weight classes are where the the money's made, and because typically these guys don't have typically don't have one punch yeah. knockout power their technique is is crisp and to see the, the technique oh. on that uppercut to you know the technique on the uppercut was phenomenal and it was you know timing beats power and uh, sorry yeah. precision beats power timing beats speed you know and and the technique was so crisp the uppercut landed and obviously it was a so it's a one punch it's not a tko it's a, it's a one punch knockout and yeah, ph- yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal finish. There's a reason. Yeah, Nongo is maybe the best pound for pound in Muay Thai right now. And there's a reason for that. He's at least top three and he really shows it every fight. Like you said, Chris, just a perfect counter to the jab. But I want to move on to Super Bond. Just, he, he's a display of kickboxing masterclass here. Uh, he was avenging a 30 second knockout loss to Merrick Gregorian. Super Bond in this fight, controlled from distance with machine gun like teep kicks to the body in di- at at close range he was landing knees to the body uh from mid-range he was throwing kicks roundhouse kicks to the body this guy just put a, on a perfect fight here he was not struggling at any point controlled it from start to finish merrick gregorian uh never adjusted the game plan and i think that's because his body his guts were kind of gone by a certain point like he didn't have a liver or lungs by the end of the fight <laughs> but he really did need to adjust game plans here but super bond just a kickboxing master class here what do you have to say for the man yeah i mean it, it's one of those fights where because of their their result previously i just looked at it, it was in 2018 so because yeah. of the fight previously you think 
will has uh, Gregorian just got the style to to beat Superbon. But with that being said, if you don't look into the fight, you know, you just see on the record, uh, you know, Gregorian beat Superbon. Yeah, it is what it is. You know, maybe he's just got the style. It was a 20-second knockout. And, you know, yeah. it's like we ask with with Jose, Jose Aldo and, and Conor McGregor and, and Ben Askren and Jorge Masvidal. If that left hand didn't land, if that knee didn't land, and in this situation, if that right hand didn't quite land, does the fight play out how the result we got? Now we can't complain about the the, the original results of those fights. You know, we can't complain about the, the 20, 30 second knockout or whatever it was the Super Bond mm-hmm. suffered back in 2018 because he got caught and, and it is what it is. But this fight really showed, like you said, it's uh how well can you fight when you, you can't take a full breath in when you've constantly <laughs> got like a massive, you know, a massive detriment because you know when you get hit with that many body shots, it's your hands are going to be dropping to protect that yeah. body. And then it exposes your head. And then, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's almost like kickboxing. One one is either attack the head and expose the body or attack the body and expose the head. This time it was attack the body, expose the head. And, you know, it's, I think on, on the night of super one beats anyone, uh, 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 featherweight in, um, in a, in a kickboxing bout, he was just, mm-hmm. you know, dialed in, and and like you say, <laughs> you you can't win a fight if you if you if you if you're fighting with with next to no, you know, punch resistance in your in your, in your midsection, and I think that's what we saw in this one. Absolutely, I just a super. I can't say enough good things about him. He looked absolutely perfect in this fight. He's coming off the uh, Giorgio Petrosian head kick knockout to this fight. He's looking good. His next fight will be the featherweight champion on this undercard. Was was with Shingiz Alazov, and the way that Shingiz Alazov fights, like he just kind of he very much walks forward, doesn't block shots, and really tries to walk you down a lot. I can't help but feel that this is such an idealistic perfect matchup for Superbond. Like no one's beating Superbond in this division, including the featherweight Grand Prix champion. I'm, I'm not off. I, I this is correct. No, I think I, I completely agree. You know, Sisichai was able to even land on hours of which, you know, again, it's yeah. it's crazy if you think about the way that the, the one card was put together. Yes, that was the the sort of headline of part one as it were. But he's fighting <laughs> what six, seven fights before Superbond. And yet he's a champion of the division and whatnot. It's it's a, it's the way they put it together is crazy, but at the same time, it's the right way to put it together if that makes sense. But yeah, I completely agree. A Super Bond fights, like I say, Super Bond on that on 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 Saturday beats any featherweight in the world. And I think, unfortunately, uh, for the champ, Super Bond, like you say, it's just styles make fights, and a walk forward style and uh, take one to land one style against yeah. Superbond isn't going to work it, it's it's just <laughs> not you know and uh, you know I think it'll be a good fight but you, there's only so many shots that one can take and again anyway let alone against someone with the striking prowess and power of Superbond Oh, just it's going to be an ugly matchup. I, I'm a huge fan of Superbond. This guy is just, if you're trying to teach someone kickboxing, like watch Superbond and just emulate what that guy's doing because he's perfect. Uh, Edward Foliang, the former MMA lightweight champion in one championship, gave a warm send off to John Wayne Parr, the Muay Thai legend. John Wayne Parr on, like, I think a four fight losing streak. He says, I just want to get 100 wins before I get out of here. And this fight was a, uh, I, I mean, we throw legend around a lot in MMA, but. Or in combat sports, but John Wayne Parr is true legend of the sport. 
fighting in a sport like he was a he was a western guy competing in muay thai for his whole life and he's a, he is an absolute legend of this sport it was a nice warm send-off the crowd really absolutely loved it he got a, almost a knockdown in round three there but uh Man, this was a, a form of elder abuse. <laughs> John Wayne Parr looked like an old man. He doesn't have a hip. He doesn't have any knees anymore. And it kind of showed. What do you think of this matchup? Yeah, for sure. And I completely agree with you. The fact that, you know, it's it's difficult. It's, you know, I wanted to see John Wayne Parr go out like that. But like you say, he's. I'm just looking down Jekyll now. He hasn't won since 2017 kickboxing. He's got 99 wins, 34 losses, and a draw. But, you know, uh, you you go back, you know, he's fought a who's who. And, you know, Dwayne Ludwig in, in 2004, he fought and, and won by the city. He fought Brad Riddell. He fought some, like, you know, these, Brad Riddell's a, a top 15 lightweight UFC fighter. And he holds a win over him. And he, and uh, Riddell, sorry, they, they've traded wins between them. And, you know, if you look, he fought Nicky Holes in last, last time out, you know, brilliant last year um yeah it's i think one championship was a was a phenomenal move for him you know he did fight in the, sort of the um bellator kickboxing and you know he got some mm-hmm. favorable matchups there and then as we've seen his last two fights have been for one which again i think it's the right move for him because he's moved obviously closer you know, as being australian he's moved sort of almost closer to home not having to travel so far for events and whatnot he's gonna have a lot of support over there and it's mm-hmm. he's one of these guys like like we saw in the ufc brian barbarina you can't hate him because he just comes and he comes to fight every every time and it's mm-hmm. it's difficult to see him go down and go out the way that he did, you know on another last 45 years old now he probably won't get to those 100 wins but again i <laughs> I'm not sure if it's truly the end for John Wayne Parr. I, I, I can see him in, in three years. You know, he's a career, career mixed martial artist, career, career kickboxer. You know, he's been his first fight on, uh, you know, this is per Wikipedia, so it's take it with a pinch of salt, but 1997, you know, yeah. and <laughs> at the end of 25 the 25 years. Yeah, th- he's been fighting for almost as long as I've been alive, quite literally. Yeah. I was born in 96 and the guy's been <laughs> fighting since 97. And, you know, not like boxing and not like MMA, a loss is, has not ended his career. You know, it's, he had a negative, you know, he was three and four after his first seven fights. And then there's only, you know, there's only so many sort of phrases that you can use for, for John Wayne Parr. You know, he, he's a 10-time world kickboxing champion. And at the end of the day, he's... You know, I think I believe his, his daughter is uh, a fairly handy kickboxer herself, or, or oh no, yeah. she's a fairly handy boxer. She 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 uh, she had her first boxing fight last, and she won the Australian Super Flyweight title in her first in her first uh, first fight. So it's you know, I don't think it's the end for John Wayne Parr as far as being in and around the sport is concerned. He's certainly going to be an ambassador for kickboxing for the rest of his life, whether he sort of maybe goes a little bit further into Bellator or a little bit further into one. I'm not sure, but I can see him having sort of a ambassadorial role in, in either of those ones, you know, Bellator kickboxing. We haven't really seen an awful lot from them in the, in the recent, recent times sort of post pandemic. I think they've been more focusing on getting the MMA sort of side of things yeah. back to back up and running, but going forward, I think he's, 
you know, stick him as almost like the, the matchmaker for, for Bellator kickboxing or, or even the, the, the promoter for Bellator kickboxing. You know, Scott Coker, with the greatest respect, does not know as much about kickboxing as Sean Wayne Parr. I think he's <laughs> no. able to find a lot of people that do know more about kickboxing than John Wayne Parr. So, uh, you know, stick him as the promoter. And I'm here for it. You know, 133 kickboxing bouts, 14 uh, boxing fights. And... Just, just a legend of the game, and it was, it was tough to see him go out on a loss. Um, he seemed all right, and then as soon as the post-fight interview came, he sort of broke down, didn't he? So, uh, but yeah, there's nothing but respect for John Wayne Parr, and you know they were talking about a potential fight with Dan Hardy, uh, a boxing or Muay Thai fight a few months and months ago, and you know I don't yeah, need I don't to know. see that. I'd see a little exhibition between the two, you know, have a move around, little touch sparring, but I don't need to see them two try and try and knock each other out it's uh for john Wayne Parr, i think you know it he will call it a day but i at the same time do not be surprised if we see him pull on the gloves just one more time that's the thing of like fighters don't know when to quit and he actually should have quit like you said 2017 would have been an absolute fine time to quit uh he he hasn't like fighters don't think don't ever really like you said, he's going to come back. Retirement's always a joke in combat sports. The Dan Hardy fight, yeah, just fizzled out. That had like headlines. People mm-hmm. were reporting all over it. Dan Hardy. Uh, man, Dan Hardy hasn't fought since the year that Daniel Cormier made his debut in the UFC was the last year Dan Hardy fought. So we've seen the entire rise and fall of Daniel Cormier. And Dan Hardy's been retired the whole time. Like, I, I don't know what kind of state Dan Hardy is in physically. You know what I mean? I don't know if he can do this still. I don't know if he can even compete with an old John Wayne Barr. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he obviously retired not out of choice. He had the GSP fight, didn't he? And I think he had the Carlos Carlos Condit knockout after the GSP fight. And then he fought two or three times after that, or, or maybe just a once after that. I can't quite remember. But he obviously had yeah. the... Wolf is it Wolf Parkinson disease? Something to do with his his heart. But he was cleared to fight a few a few yeah. years ago now, and I think obviously, you know, he was a commentator and he was let go from commentating with the UFC, and now he was a really good commentator too. Phenomenal, phenomenal. You know, he's, yeah, he's one of these people like like a John Wayne Parr, where he prob- there's going to be few people that probably know the ins and outs and technicalities of MMA better than than Dan Hardy, but it just yep. You know, it, after um, after the the Herb Dean with Jai Herb and Francisco uh, Francisco Trinaldo controversy, I don't quite think you know. Obviously, they're going to have him back. They might have him back in the future. He still does, I think, a little bit of work for BT Sport, but he has been taken off the BT Sport pre-show, as it were. That's he's been replaced with Michael Bisping, which, again, I'm not not complaining about Bisping's quality, in my opinion. But yes. he's got his own you know, full reptile breakdowns on YouTube to, you know, check them out because they're excellent, excellent breakdowns. Obviously, he's uh, in a relationship with the UFC fighter, Veronica uh, Macedo. She has her podcast. Um, and obviously now he, he, he's he got his, his roughhouse gym sort of almost back up and running. I think it's out of sort of a Nottingham, Loughborough area, um, along with oh, former UFC fighter Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Warhead. And, you know, in and around the Midlands, obviously with myself being from the Midlands, there was a lot of fighters that go in to train and represent Hardy Warhead mm. and are doing really well. There's a lot of fighters that are doing really well. Um, yeah, only sort of, you know, one or two and oh in the professional ranks at the moment, but they're getting finishes and they're getting, they're performing well. And, you know, when you've got Dan Hardy and, and um, 
Jim Warhead in your corner, it'd be uh, be tough not to do well in, on the local scene for sure. Yeah, it's like Dan Hardy, he could really do good fight breakdowns, and he always could, even in like pre-fight interviews in the UFC and when he was commentating and what he's doing now, you can see that really well that he knows his stuff. But it's like he uh, he can't, when he was fighting, he couldn't quite get the focus that he needed of like, if you took your own advice, you wouldn't be fighting in this way. But the guy just like to scrap, he liked to throw down. Yeah. That's why he had like like knockouts, he sh- like losses to Chris Lytle and stuff like that, that you shouldn't. Like he should have fat at that point in his career or losses to Carlos Condit was a fair, fair loss. That was a good loss yeah, there. But like just who landed he just landed the hook first, wasn't it? Yeah, that was Condit a good just, one. Just landed the hook ever so ever so slightly before um before Dan Hardy. And uh I mean it that was while it's out for Hardy, but it was a good it was a, yeah, it's a good fight. You know, Dan Hardy, I think it still has he he's mixed martial arts through and through, I think, you know, and um he did a, a couple of years ago have a podcast himself and Mark Goddard, which was the insight from those two guys was was phenomenal. I think that's sort of taken a back burner in recent years. But just Mark listening Goddard's to that really and exactly, you know, and just listening to them to just just speak things through, you know, break down refereeing and decisions and this and that and this and that. And it was you just it was on show just just how knowledgeable both guys are. And uh, but yeah, going back to the point, I'd the John Wayne yeah, Parr versus Dan Hardy. Yeah, I know we went off on a tangent there, but no, the John Wayne Parr Dan Hardy fight, like you say, it just sort of fizzled out. It was yeah. on Twitter, and you know they were respectfully calling each other out, sort of not calling each other. I was more suggesting a fight between the two. I don't want to say calling each other out because that's what we get with Jake Paul, but um, yeah, yeah, it just fizzled out and never, never really materialised, which is a little bit disappointing, but not too surprising at the same time. No, yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a long time for Dan Hardy. Moving up the card, Yoshihiro Setsuyama at age forty six looks the best he ever has. Somehow he looks the biggest he ever has. That's a suspicious thing. Beats up Topikan Juda and Shinya Aoki. This is a uh, they they advertise it as a grudge match. I I don't really know who cares, but <laughs> especially because Akiyama wasn't selling the grudge side of it, the bad blood side. He was like, I don't know what Aoki doesn't like about me. I've never even met the guy. We've never met in person before. I don't know why he hates me. Uh, but these two are JMMA legends. Between them, we have the UFC, Pride, Heroes, K1, uh, Dream. I think maybe you got some rising in there. You got Bellator and Strikeforce between them. Both these guys just kind of keep fighting. Uh, maybe well past their prime. I still remember when Shinya Aoki was considered a really good prospect. You remember people were talking like Shinya Aoki versus BJ Penn is the fight to make, and it never really came together. Uh, Akiyama, I think, is a character who um, his character has paid off. He, it's this career has worked out really well for a guy who's just a pretty good fighter. He kept failing upwards at one point in his career because he would lose to Chris Lieben. And then he got rewarded with a, a fight with Michael Bisping. I'm just looking Lost. through, you know, for Chris Lieben, Michael Bisping, then Vito Belfort Lost. and Jake Shields. And then, <laughs> yes, he lost them all. But, yeah. you know, he made his debut at UFC 100. Yeah. In a split decision in a fight of the night. It was a fight of the night against Chris Lieben, fight of the night against yeah. Michael Bisping. I mean, the guy yeah, is just, just here for fun fights and... You know, going upwards, like he, he gets rewarded two loss, three losses in a row, gets to get beat up by Vitor Belfort. And you know, at the time, at the time, you know, 2010 to 2012, I hadn't picked up a win in the UFC, and yet four losses on the spin, two finishes, yeah. and yep. yet he gets rewarded with another fight. And, and we, yeah, I know, and, you know, and taking into account that just three fights ago he was fighting in the UFC, and that was in yeah. 29, uh, 2015, sorry. 
I mean, the finish to this one. What did you think about the finish to this one? I, 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 I haven't quite worked out how the finish. I've watched it a couple of times now. <laughs> the angle that I was able to to, to watch it. At, I didn't get it. I didn't see really what happened with the finish. It's, it, it's a weird thing, isn't yeah. it? Like Shinya Aoki, he um he if you put a bit of pressure on him and, and hit him, he does just float away. And this happened even in his prime when he was uh, the dream uh lightweight Grand Prix Hakeem Hansen just kind of hit him a little bit, and Shinya Aoki was completely out of it. Like you just need to hit him a little and he's kind of out. And none because none of those strikes looked hard. None of them looked like no. A plus power strikes. I think Akiyama was really tired by that point. He was being drowned for the entire first round. And then like landed some light knees and punches. And typically Aoki just kind of dies when those things happen. And we, that's yeah. what we saw. This is kind of A plus. This is typical of Shinya Aoki work right here. It just seemed like no more than cuffing shots to the forehead of, of uh, Aoki. And, you know, like you say, maybe after the first round, yes, he was on the back of, of Sexyama, but yeah, it, it's difficult to stay and maybe you know maybe it's, hold that triangle he had the triangle on his back for what seemed like three and a half four yeah. minutes of the first round at least yeah maybe just that just drained his gas tank completely and like you say it it doesn't take an awful lot of shots to to hurt him anyway no on top of being drained from the from the first round but you know i think as far as what's next, that's it. That's it. Now, like you say, there's no bad blood, and Sakiyama can just ride off into the sun on a victory over yeah Aoki, who is still a legitimate legitimate fighter, but yeah. it does dent his uh, credibility ever so slightly. Yeah, he's gonna do some pro wrestling like he has been doing for a few years in Japan. There, he's he's he fights all the time and and uh, one of their promotions. Yeah, he's he's got a fine enough career. This is what we talk about with middle class, like he. You don't have to be in A plus plus shape. If you keep getting fights and you're enjoying yourself and not taking too hard of injuries, you can just keep doing this forever. Exactly. Uh, and Aoki will keep doing that. Akiyama will take his sponsorships. He's sponsored by like cell phone companies and Nike. He didn't, he's fine. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about him. Adriano Marias. Um uh, this was this was a fine fight. This was the worst fight on the card. <laughs> the referee had to warn them to engage. And this is a, uh, Adriano Marias does defeat Yuya Wakamatsu via guillotine choke. Um, I don't have any hard-hitting analysis on this one. I don't know. Demetrius Johnson, he's beaten Yuya already. He's lost to Adriano Marias in a rematch. I think DJ against either of these guys. I'm sorry to be that guy, but what do you think? Yeah, no, I completely... I still think DJ is pound for pound one of the best fighters on the planet. Yeah, regardless of promotion, you know, and like you say, I think he beats. <laughs> I don't. I'm the same as you. I don't want to jump on the DJ train, but I just think he beats Mirage in a, in a rematch. It's, yeah, I just think he's got the. You know, I just think he. I just think he beats Mirage in a rematch. And like you say, I think these guys were kind of. It looked like they were reluctant to commit too heavily to to the. Uh, to, to attacking each other essentially which is something yeah. that we didn't get in the DJ versus Rodtank fight which is obviously the fight after this and and that was fun as hell let's jump into it anytime yeah, yeah exactly yeah the Mirage fight for me yeah that was like you say that was a go to the bar and get a beer fight and uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but make sure you're back in your seat for the for the DJ Rodtank fight you know this was if I'm right in thinking it was scheduled for December 
And then either the whole yes. card got cancelled or one of the guys got injured. I can't remember off the top of my head. And yeah, but finally yeah. we got it. it. And yeah. you know, this is going back to the the days of Gracie Challenge almost and <laughs> early mixed martial arts. As far as this is a mixed rules fight, we're having one one round. We're having Muay Thai, and that's that's where we start. Then we'll have an MMA fight. Then we'll have yeah. a Muay Thai fight, and then we'll have another MMA yeah. fight. And, and going back to the Gracie Challenge, it's almost like, man, what a history of MMA expert you might be. Man, we got to get more history of MMA from this guy. Yeah, for sure. Well, keep 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 keep, a, keep an eye out for <laughs> coming to a school near you. But uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's yeah. I, I'm almost glad that this didn't go the distance because I have no idea how you'd score how you'd score that. Uh, yeah, because you know, Rod Tang won the first round, but DJ did really well in the first he round. He did, he, did. he was catching did. Rod. I mean, I th- I'd say probably you know, 60 70 percent of people would have backed off with the shots that, that DJ landed. And I mean, it's if you see Rod Tang take a back step in a Muay Thai fight, you've you know, some, some, <laughs> something, something's not right, you know. Um, but then the second round, Rod Tang was instantly on the back foot and I think it would have probably yep. probably benefited him to just carry on going forward to be honest because yeah you know he, he did step off and then when he did commit he swung that big I think it was a big right hook wasn't it and then DJ sort of just ducked underneath it took his back and that's all she wrote he did defend the, the really naked joke pretty well for the for the <laughs> for the most part obviously yeah he was put out in the end but he defended that really naked joke a lot better than we see everyday MMA fighters defender Rene Kachet, you know, he was attacking the top hand, pulling DJ down. Yeah. And but with a grappler as as seasoned as DJ is is if he gets his if he makes his way to to your back, it's gonna be a long night for you, to be honest. And especially if you yeah. don't have a history in, in grappling and, and MMA training. And you know, what I've wrote from one of my notes is that it's easy mm. easier to avoid a tough stand-up fighter. So DJ avoiding Rod Tang in the first round. Than it is to learn wrestling in the ground game in a matter of yeah. what about eight nine months this fight was was announced you know yeah it's a lot easier to dj's already got that stand-up base and rod tank really doesn't have a ground game wrestling base yes he can work inside the clinch and the first round for me was messy because dj was constantly looking to go to the clinch and and look to almost take him down you know and look to wrestle him in that first round because it just comes to him as second nature. And then you yeah. can sort of tell as soon as he closes the distance, oh, I've got to remember that I'm not allowed to take him down. I've got to either, you know, stay all the way out or be all the way in again. And it, it was messy, but yeah, the second round, I think that Roitang would have benefited from going forward and, yep. just, you know, crowded DJ. But I think again, you know, he was scared of, not scared, but he was wary of the the takedown threat that DJ possesses, which is exactly what we saw as soon as he committed to that big strike. DJ just, you know, it's, it's MMA wrestling one on one. Duck under the strike, take the back, choke him out. It was just good performance by DJ. It was a fun fight. And I was saying, yeah, I totally co-sign with everything that you're saying. I absolutely agree. Uh, first round, all pressure, controlling the sender, pushing DJ back. Landed both landed good shots. DJ was having a good time. He was gaming that Muay Thai round, and that was good to see. Um, a Rod Tang did slightly defend a takedown. DJ just jumped on his back. He did slightly defend the rear naked choke. I was thinking if you fought, if they did this fight with somebody else, and that wasn't Demetrius fucking Johnson, if it was like an Ian McCall or a Manel Cape, 
Rajang actually had a fighting chance, but they paired him up with DJ, who's been wrestling for 25 years. Like, he's been wrestling his entire life. Uh, he knows his stuff. But you pair him up against someone else, Rodang didn't embarrass himself in this fight. Uh, maybe we'll move up because we're running out of time here. Uh, Angela Lee versus Stamp Fairtex. I think they headlined with this one, and it was a good fight. It was a fun fight, and it was a really good fight on paper as well. But I think one wanted to show that they can promote stars because these two are born and bred one fighters, whereas DJ and Rod Tang are mixed fighters. They have other promotions. Rod Tang doesn't even fight exclusively for one. Um, Ak- Akiyama and Aoki are definitely not one fighters by any means. Uh, but Angela and Stan Fairtex, they are born and bred one fighters. Really fun first, uh, first round, uh, kind of trading submission attempts here and there. I think the story of this fight is just Stan Fairtex uh, is tough. She can she can almost die and she will not tap out. She will not give up in any fight. She had a twister on her, didn't tap out. Uh, did a really good job for training jiu-jitsu for less than two years and has been grappling with a jiu-jitsu black belt here. What do you think of the fight? Yeah, for sure. Like you say, I think that first round, Stamp almost finished it with that body shot that sort of just absolutely yeah. crumbled Angela Lee. And it wasn't, it reminded me of uh, Caitlin Chikagian when she fought Jessica Andrade when she just gets smash with that liver shot and it takes a second it's it's the liver shot lands and then the body begins to shut down and they back up and they're, 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 you bend over because it's you know an instant human reaction but she was able yeah. obviously as we as we know Angela Lee was able to sort of get a, get a senses or get a liver back together as it were and uh get her liver yeah. back yeah no she got you it know, yeah she uh and in the second in yeah the second round i think it was we just showed the elite grappling of, of angela lee you know she had the mounted triangle at one point then she moved to the twister and then obviously she finished it with the rear naked choke and yeah. you know on paper these are atom weights but if you look they both weighed in at 115 pounds because yeah. obviously so they're you know bellator and ufc straw weights but atom weights in in one championship i was just one i wanted to get your yeah. how do you think angela lee would do in in the ufc straw weight division because i think She's she's quality. She's, there's no there's no denying that. But I, how do you yeah. think she would do? I think she would be top five, but the top three are so strong at women's straw weight in the UFC that I would I could not pick the uh, Rose Zhang or even Joanna. I'd probably pick those three against Angela Lee. But otherwise, Angela Lee is a solid number four, and it's not due to Angela Lee being weak in any way. It's because those three are so good breaking off the center line. Like they're doing striking, like uh, they're doing advanced striking classes in the cage. Like those three are absolutely incredible. Where, where do you think she fits in in a UFC scenario? Yeah, yeah, I sort of echo what you're saying. I think she beats. Yeah. I mean, just looking now, she beats all of the top from 15 down to to eight. I think Tisha Torres might be a tough fight for her because Tisha Torres has got, you know, she's quick on her feet, so she can just avoid getting her back pressed up against the cage and yep. you know, look to land with those quick shots and get out and look to land with those, which I think she'll do against Mackenzie Dern when they fight in a, in a few months. And mm. I see Angela Lee similar to Mackenzie Dern, just, just with a... Better stand up and not as good jujitsu, which is kind of you know that trade off. I'd like to see an Angela, Angela versus Mackenzie Dern. I think Mackenzie Dern. Just, I was going to say that one too. Yeah, I think she'd one. just be slightly too big for her. You know, she has fought up at flyweight, and Angela Lee is quite a you know, yes, atom weight, yeah. but you know she's quite a small, a small uh, straw weight, let's say. And but you know, I, I hope she doesn't. I hope she stays in one championship and continues to be a, a massive star there because you don't want her to sort of just fall into the, the UFC bubble as it were, and just become yet another contender and where people don't tune in to see her fights and aren't really 
too too interested in her fights. You know, she'd probably come over to be as big a star as Ben Askren, who was, I think, third or fourth yeah. fight on the main card when he made his debut against Lawler. Yeah. Stay headlining these massive cards if I was Angela Lee and, and keep putting on stunning performances like she did on Saturday. Absolutely. And it won the crowd over a good headlines coming out of it. Uh, they're shaking hands with the baby backstage. Like there's a lot of good optics coming out of this event and one, one championship. Like if I'm not without looking at any of their finances, this looked like a majorly successful event. This lit up Twitter, this lit up social media. Uh, I think for everyone in the industry and this, uh, I mean, congratulations. Like they've probably needed a win here. And I think one championship was the biggest winner of this weekend, but should we move forward to the UFC? Cause there was some good ones here. I think the one that you wanted to do a victory lap for uh, Alexa Grasso and Joanne Calderwood. What do you, or Joanne, Joanne Wood, sorry, pardon Joanne me. Wood, yeah. What do you think? You know, uh, what do you think? It was tough for me to watch. I really like Joanne Wood, I think, or Calderwood, you know, she, she's just, the, she's, unfortunately, she, she is a gatekeeper to the top eight, top seven. She was doing well in that first round, I feel, and she, but she's just too susceptible to the, to the takedown, you know, we, we, she's obviously, as we know, she's Scottish, but she trains out of extreme couture and, it's disappointing for her because you know she did put on good performances. Um, she has, sorry, she has put on good performances in the past. You know, she's looked really yep. good. I thought the Laura Murphy loss was a controversial one for me because I think you know she was at one point as well scheduled to fight, um, scheduled to fight Valentina, I believe, and mm-hmm. uh, it's just it just hasn't gone right. She's just lost the fight. You know, she she was scheduled to fight. Um, Valentina, and then she lost to Jennifer Meyer. Then she beat Jessica Rye. Then she lost the split decision to Lauren Murphy, which I didn't personally agree with. I thought she did beat Lauren Murphy, but then she yeah. was pretty well dominated by Talia Santos. And then this one, again, you know, back to back rear naked choke losses. It's, it's really difficult for Joanne Wood to know where she goes next. But I did, uh, I, know. I did see, you know, she's thirty six now as well. Uh, sorry, she's not extreme no. couture. She's a syndicate MMA. My mistake. But um, you know, she's never going to be a, a champion. Unfortunately for Joanne Wood, but at the same time, she uh, put something on Instagram or Twitter to say, like, "Look, I'm still, I'm still in the business. I'm still going in there having fun, and, and I'm still going to fight." Which is, you know, I'm, I'm happy for it. She definitely takes a step backwards with this loss because. Alexa Grasso, although she's she's phenomenal, she's not a, you know she's not a, she's not up there with the with the uh, with the elite of the division yet, in my opinion. And I think mm. Valentina now becomes that gatekeeper to the to the almost top fifteen, even you know, which is disappointing because you've got flyweights that are on the brink. You know, Miranda Maverick, Aaron Blanchfield, uh, Marina Morose, who's obviously just got the win. Uh, win last time out but the fight for me is Molly McCann that's you know Scotland versus hey, England, that's a good Molly one. McCann that's a good one. Joanne Calderwood no none of the girls particularly enjoy the the sort of wrestling and grappling game Molly McCann's much better than Joanne Wood in in the wrestling and grappling game but Wood versus McCann for me is the fight to make McCann's been ranked before and she dropped out of the rankings Calderwood's obviously ranked now but she'll drop down a few book that fight because I want, I want to see that fight. I think it'll be a really fun fight and really fun build up as well. 
I I totally go with you two two weeks in a row, and it's just a fun fight, right? We don't have to pretend that these two are going to be future all time greats. Fun fight right there, pair them up. Uh, man, I like Alexa Grasso though. I think I think she can crack that into the top five even more than she has now. I, I like that a lot. Curtis Blades stands, doesn't wrestle at all with Chris Deckhouse, and knocks him out in the second round. Absolutely electrifying the Ohio-based crowd. This was a big event, too. Like Ohio came out for this one. Uh, but Curtis Blades, this is the... It's tough because where do you put him? He beats everybody behind him. He probably doesn't beat anybody ahead of him. What do you think of our boy, Curtis Blades? Yeah, like like you say, even the, the commentators, Cormier and... and uh, is it- Bisping was on comms as well, wasn't he? and you know they they so. were saying you know expect Blades to go for a shot any time now, you know, or expect Curse Blades to shoot for yeah. a double leg, or expect him to look to stand, see where he where he's at, and then and then you know pull the single. And he didn't, and nope. he didn't, and he didn't even faint, and he didn't even look like he was going to go for a takedown. Nope. And then in the second round, maybe that's in the back of Dalkus's mind that that. You know he hasn't shot yet. Why hasn't he shot yet? Uh, you know he, oh he's going to shoot. He's constantly going to shoot. And that's that's the 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 risky run when you fight someone like Curtis Blades, is that you he's so good at wrestling and he's so good in the in the takedown realm as it were mm-hmm. that you are constantly thinking right he is he's going to take me down in a minute. He's going to take me down in a minute. And then he's just come upstairs in the, in the, early in the second round as well. It was. 17 seconds in the second round is when the fight finished. So you're talking sort of, you know, probably about 10 seconds before he knocked him down because he did hit him with some ground and pound. And for me, Curtis Blades called out the wrong guy. He called out Cyril Gann and he needed to call out <laughs> Tom Aspinall or, or, or Tai Tuivasa. I know them two uh, yeah, sort yeah. of almost looking like they're going to fight each other due to the call out last week from Tom. But... <laughs> You know, fans are not as interested. Momentum. Exactly, fans are not as interested in in Cyril Gann at the moment because he's coming off a loss, and because he was out wrestled in that loss. Yeah, Tom Aspinall yeah, has got a true. lot of heat about him at the moment. Tatu Avasa, a lot of heat about him at the moment. These two guys would have been for me the ones that Curtis Blades calls out. He sort of respectfully gave props to Stipe without calling him out, really, which. You know, it was nice Chris Stipe, obviously in his home his home um, state, but it was yeah, I think Curtis played Mr. Trick, especially after the performance that you put on, because it was a phenomenal performance. But I think he did miss a yeah. trick. But and you know, with Chris Dalkus, I'm not really all that surprised, you know. Is the biggest win on his record Alexi Olenek or, or Shamil Abdul Rakiminov last you know, that was his last win, but he then goes up to fight Derek Lewis and loses. Now he fights Curtis Blades and loses. You can't go from Shamil to Derek Lewis and, and think it's going to go <laughs> all sort of all well, as it were. I think he takes a big step back in the rankings now for his next fight and fights uh, a Walt Harrison or a Gusto Sakai, a Ty Bora, sure. you know, one of these guys um, that's in and around his his ranking. Or like maybe Curtis Blades was suggesting, it's dropped down to light heavyweight. You know, he's too... 230 something apparently um he weighed in at we'll check yeah. what he weighed in at and for this one and you know he's not it's it's just not a, a huge huge heavyweight you know well he weighed in at 243 but he was carrying a lot of a lot of body fat and i think that's probably why curtis blades 
stood with him because he wasn't scared of the stand-up. Yes, he's got knockouts on his record, mm-hmm. but he's just not as big as Curtis Blades. And I mean, yeah. I didn't even realize, you know, he's older than Curtis Blades as well. But, you know, at six foot three, 76 inch reach advantage, the, the pace that he can fight at and, and that he throws punches at, someone like, you know, we've seen he's obviously susceptible to the knockout tied to Avassa knocks, knocks Chris Dalkas out. And the pace yeah. he fights at, Tom Aspinall plays with him, in my opinion. And it's probably oh, yeah. probably the same with Curtis Blades. You know, that's probably why he didn't he, he struggled with the one with the guys that have got these one punch knockout power that you would assume that he'd win. You know, he's got two losses on his record to Francis when Francis didn't wrestle at all. And he's got the loss <laughs> to Derek Lewis, who is notorious of not being a great wrestler. I know. <laughs> Taito Avassa probably know. knocks him out, despite the fact that Taito Avassa's takedown defense is questionable. It's, you know, for me, Blades is a weird one. He seems like the kind of guy that potentially steps in on late notice in a heavyweight title fight and gets the gets the victory. Yeah. But always will fall just before he gets to a title shot himself. A Michael Bisping. He's a Michael Bisping, you know, or take the fight on short <laughs> notice and, and, probably win the belt but but will he ever actually get to the dance himself i, I i'm not so sure it's it's such a coin flip with him because you can also picture a serial gone fight uh curtis blades probably gets beat up he gets punched a bunch and he gets knocked out in that fight or flip the coin and yeah curtis blades maybe just out wrestles him for the full time it exactly. could go either way and you never really know but he is uh hittable he is knockoutable yeah, like you said, he probably loses to even tied to Ivasa after he gets out wrestled or something. I don't know. It's tough to pick what the future of Derek, uh, sorry, uh, of Curtis Blades looks like. I'm not entirely certain myself. But uh, Brian Barberina, Matt Brown did their thing. Uh, they they did what they were scheduled to do. They do what they always do in these fights. Um, yeah, it, I mean, fight yeah. of the night. Yeah, it was a really fun fight. And uh, yeah, like you said, they they came, they threw down, they went yep. five, uh, three rounds, and and I saw Matt Brown said on I think it was Twitter said that oh I thought I won the first two rounds so I took the third round off now he's experienced enough to know that you you can't do that you can't in, in a way you can't trust your corner to say yeah you definitely won those two rounds you know and yeah. you know does it do anything for Matt Brown no does it do anything for Brian Barbarino I know that he was speaking about the last fight and that was the last fight in his contract he gets signed again because he's always in exciting fights yes. if you remember I think was it Last, I can't remember when it was when he fought uh, Vicente Luque in one of the fights of the year that year. You know, his top top three fights of the year that yep. year. Mm-hmm. Um, is he ever going to be champion? No chance. Is he always going to be on exciting fights? For sure. Yes. Did you know Vicente? Yeah, so it's twenty nineteen. He fought Vicente Luque, and that was one of the fights of the year. And then he fights Randy Brown. You know, he's he's fought good guys. He went the distance with Colby Covington. He went the distance with Leon Edwards. Knocked out in late, late, late in the third round by Vicente Luque. Randy Brown in the third round. Now he's gone three rounds with Matt Brown. I think, you know, we keep him in the UFC. You know, he's got a win over Jake Ellenberger, finish victory over Jake Ellenberger, finish victory over Sage Northcote. We keep him in the UFC because he is money. And, you know, to be... The greatest respect to Brian Barbarina to be higher on the fight card than Kaikara France and, and Askar Askarov is certainly questionable. But because he's in these type of fights, that's why they put him where, where they put him on these fight cards. 
Yeah, that's that's it. It's, it was an exciting fight on paper. It was an exciting fight coming out. I don't know what the future of Brian Barberina probably doing this kind of thing, just fighting other brawlers like himself. But he's going to win some. He's going to lose some. And he's going to have fun fights. Um, I think the real headline: Kai Car France defends. He he reverses takedown. He reverses submissions. Controls with the jab at times. He he gets backpacked and takes the guy off of him against uh, Askar Askar, probably the best wrestler in flyweight. Kaikar France has really turned it around. He has fixed the holes where he was a little bit too excited to fight. He's fixed a lot of things, but he's on a couple of win, little win streak now, moving up high in the flyweight rankings. What do you do with him? Kaikar France, our boy. Yeah, uh, I completely, you know, just looking on the MMA soccer staff picks, um, only four people pick Kaikar France, including yeah. myself. And, you know, me too. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, sorry, I picked Askar Askarov. I did, but I was totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, majority of people did on on our, on our website, uh, MMASucker.com. We had 12, 12 picks for Askar oh. Askarov, oh. only four for Kai Kara France. And, you know, Kai Kara France should be fighting for the belt next. But I think the UFC has scuppered themselves now by pretty much booking Moreno versus Figgy 4. Already, like yeah. you know, that's that's very much in talks. I'm not sure if it's official yet, but that's that's the fight where both of them are fighting next. And you know, I'll go on in a second to talk about another fight that I don't think they should have booked ahead of this weekend. But Kai Kara France is his game. He's he's powerful, as we saw against Cody Garbrandt. Now he can sort of fix the holes in his wrestling game. He probably, you know, out of nowhere, he'll beat Davison Figueredo, but then he'll lose to a, a, yeah, a Brandon Royval and Alex Perez. You yeah. know, he's a very, he's one of those fighters where is he, even when he, even if he wins, sorry, not when, if he, if he wins the flyweight belt, is he the best at flyweight? There's always going to be questions with someone like an Usman. There's, there's no question. He's the best yes. welterweight in the UFC. Israel Adesanya, best middleweight. Volkanovski, best featherweight. You know, these are unquestioned wars. There'd always be questions around Kai Kara France until he defeats Figueredo twice, Moreno, beats Askarov again, you know, yeah. beat, beats all these guys. But I think he's got a personality. He comes from that city kickboxing gym that we all we all know and, and love. And he's got a personality, which is what the UFC are constantly crying out for in all their divisions, especially down yeah. at the lower weights. And he's a ton of fun. Exactly. You know, I think that's why Mohamed Mokai has done so well. You know, this week I've seen him call out about six or seven different people, including Sean O'Malley. And yep. because he's got a personality and he's got, you know, the knockout power. Mm-hmm. Brandon Moreno is a phenomenal fighter, really exciting, great personality. As a ground game rather than knockout power, that's fine. You know, you, you're getting these highlights from these guys, which is probably why they're booking the fourth fight between Figgy and Moreno, because... You know, at the end of the day, these are the two, without doubt, best guys in the vi- division. And, you know, Flower is calling out for those stars since as much as, he, as much as he's cringe as, <laughs> since Henry Cejudo sort of left the division. But they need it, like you said. I miss Henry. Miss Henry every day. <laughs> I, I don't miss his, tw- his tweets because he's still tweeting out every day, calling out McGregor yes. and whatnot. But... Uh, yeah, you know, I think <laughs> the fight itself was really good, but you know, slightly alluding to what I just said, uh, yeah. Manon Furo absolutely dominated Jennifer Meyer in the wrestling game, grappling game, stand-up game. 
why they booked Caitlin Chikogian the day of I saw it come out on Saturday. They booked her against Amanda Hebas. I cannot understand this fight. Hebas making a flyweight debut against the second best, third best flyweight on the planet. And Hebas is coming off one victory and it wasn't that convincing a victory. No. Perot should be fighting Chikagian next. Uh, yeah. In the final eliminator, without a doubt, you know. And this is what's frustrating me because you've got a, a woman in, in Manon Faro who's, she's what, far, four and oh in the UFC now, two, yep. two, uh, two finishes. And then she's just beaten Jennifer Meyer, who is high solid, ranking. High ranking. Solid. Yeah. yeah. And yet you put a, where do you go? If you look down flyweight now, obviously she's not going to get a title shot. Valentina's booked against number four, Talia Santos. Caitlin Chikagian's booked. Jessica Andrade dropping down to destroy it again. Laura Murphy's booked. Alexa Grasso, maybe, because obviously they fought yeah. on the same card. So that, But again, I'd argue that Faro is, is, is... My Alexa's kicking in the background. Yeah, it's just my Alexa started <laughs> talking to me in the background. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought someone was behind me. I was like, oh, God. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I completely lost my time. Yeah, no, Alexa Grasso, you know, um, does that really <laughs> do anything for Manon Faro? It's, it's my opinion, she deserves a bigger fight than Alexa Grasso. So she's got to now sit out and wait for, you know, Chikagian's booked in May. Yeah. Probably wait for, for Chikagian to, to beat Amanda Hebas by decision <laughs> and then book that for sort of, you know, October, November time. But yeah, Manon Faro, I think, is going under the radar. I thought yes. people were reading in far too much. You know, it's people saying, oh, look at the way she's she's walking up the stairs on weigh-ins day and stepping onto the scale. She looks stiff. Maybe she has an injury. And then the way she fought was just amazing. Like, it, it, let's, not yeah. pretend, let's not try and make people get injuries that they clearly haven't got. She's weighing in. She's probably just stiff from sitting in a bath that... <laughs> 10 hours prior to it and uh, I thought she looked really good and uh, the, the the stepping sidekick that she was doing to an overhand right she was closing the distance with a sidekick and then landing the overhand right she, she threw the same combination about 6 or 7 times in the 15 minutes and I mean it worked I think she dominated Jennifer Meyer I think Jennifer Meyer will be frustrated with herself but yeah, now we got Faro, who's definitely cracking into the top five now. I, I know that they booked Caitlin Chukagan. It is a weird fight, but I, I don't think the UFC is ever going to give Chukagan another chance at the title. Like, they just, I don't understand why. Like, she, you just even in her wins, she doesn't look that convincing as a person who can challenge for a, against a good fighter. She's just Caitlin Chukagan is a she. She wins sometimes and she loses other. I, I don't know what to say about this person who's kind of middling. I feel like. Pharrell must be able to jump the line if she gets another two wins together. She they must allow Definitely. her to jump and get the title. They have to. They can't put Chukagan back in there. No, I mean I really like Chukagan. I think she's really good. But again, she sort of mm. just she's like a Leon Edwards, where how many times can or how many wins can she put together? The only losses that she's got are flyweight. <laughs> I mean, she lost to Jessica I, and but after that got a title shot. Then she lost in the title shot convincingly to Valentina. And then Definitely, she lost to Jessica yeah. Andrade, who's no longer in the division. So if you look at people since <laughs> she fought Shevchenko, who are currently in the division, she's 4-0. and 
but they've all yeah. gone to decision. She got 17 wins. She's only finished three of her fights, of which, you know, none are in the UFC, I don't think. No, none are in the UFC. She, she's never finished a UFC fight. And she hasn't finished a fight since 2016. Now, I'm not saying that you have to finish fights to, to, to make it in the UFC because, you know, wins speak for themselves. But, but that being be said, when you've got people like Faro putting on, you know, she's finished two fights in the UFC. When you've got people like Alexa Grasso who's finished multiple fights in the UFC. And, you know, looking down the division, you've got, um, you know, Talia Santos finishing fights. Joanne Wood can finish fights, but has got an exciting start. Andrea Lee finished the last fight against Cynthia Calvillo. Casey O'Neill, you know, Casey O'Neill has finished all of her fights apart from against Roxy Modafferi. But even in that fight, she put on she uh, scored the third most significant strikes in in UFC history for a three round fight. Yep. Caitlin, we did see against Jennifer Myers. She 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 risked it a little bit more. She got involved in the pocket a little bit more. But she won't. You can't break a habit of a lifetime. But you know she did yeah. fight up at bantamweight. Rebass is coming up from strawweight, so hopefully she'll sort of hold a power advantage over Rebass, and and hopefully she'll she'll put it all out there and and look to. Say, look, if a decision victory isn't going to do it for me, I need to go out there and knock Ebas out, and and hopefully she she looks to do that because it's not a boring style, but it at the same time, you know, it is a risk averse style that we don't isn't always the most interesting style for us to watch. Yeah, I yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It's just, it's frustrating when she wins because we're not. What do you do with her? The UFC doesn't love her. The UFC is not going to throw her anything. I Manon Faro is a proper good fighter. She's talented and developing well. Uh, I don't know what to do, but let's look ahead a little bit. Anything else on this UFC fight net that we want to talk about before we move forward? No, Neil Magny and Matt Ducasey picked up victories. Uh, Matt Ducasey wrestled, which is something that, you know, does, does come as a surprise to many, but he is a solid wrestler. And Neil Magny defeated Max Griffin after being badly dropped in that first round. Um, mm. But Neil Magny does what Neil Magny does. The call, yeah. out, of, call out of Hamza. I mean, I think okay. he's just hoping that Hamza loses to Gilbert Burns next week. Uh, yeah, next weekend. Um, if not, I think Wonderboy's the fight to, my, to make both of them, you know, fringe top five guys. Now, Wonderboy's obviously coming off the two losses and, and Magny won't particularly look to take Wonderboy down, he'll look to pressure him up against the fence. But you know, with Wonderboy's movement, I think he can. I think it's a favourable fight for Wonderboy as opposed to fighting a Colby Covington or or someone who is going to look to take him down like Gilbert Burns did. Yeah, I was going to say I think all those fights, Neil Magny doesn't beat many of the people ahead of him. And I know we got to mix up welterweight a lot more because it hasn't moved. But I'm not sure that Neil Magny beats anyone. But yeah, man, Wonderboy Thompson could use a win. I'm always into seeing that. You know, exactly. But yeah. Oh, yeah, so you pretty good UFC fight night. Did well in Ohio. Looking ahead to this weekend, I can't believe how little it is. I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel here. We got a couple of Cage Warriors, XMMA4. We got a PFL Challengers this weekend. Looking to kickboxing. There's an open weight tournament, which I wouldn't recommend watching. Tension Nasakawa was fighting his like stablemate, like his, his friend. Um, there's no sumo wrestling this weekend. There's no boxing. Golovkin Murata is not until the week after that. What are we doing this weekend, man? What am I trying? There's nothing. I mean, I think for me, I'll just be getting my. I've got a um, a uh, keys to victory for Alexander Volkanovsky. I'll just be getting that ready this weekend. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's 
pretty pretty thin on the ground even uh you know we've got savannah marshall fighting this weekend who i'm a huge fan of um yeah it's 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 a it's a setup fight for savannah marshall to fight um to fight closer shields in a few weeks sorry in a few months time at the end of the year in savannah marshall i think you know it's no no surprise to any of the mma soccer you know anyone that, that reads MMA soccer? I'm a huge Savannah Marshall fan. I think she knocks out Clarissa mm. Shields. She's too big, but uh, yeah, that's probably the highlight for me for this week. That's the only fight that I'll really be tuning in to watch. Uh, maybe catching up on a little bit of um, sort of pre-fight hype for for Volkanovski Korean Zombie. But yeah, like you say, it's a pretty thin week this week. This is the Marshall versus Hermans this weekend. Hermans from uh, Belgium, uh, eleven and three. That's about all I can tell you about this person. <laughs> That's all yeah, I know yeah, about, sure. about Hermans. <laughs> yeah, for me, if it's not Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall doesn't struggle. And I don't even think she struggles particularly against Clarissa Shields. I think she's just too big and too too vicious. But um, yeah, Savannah Marshall will look to probably get the fairly early knockout and she she should be calling out Clarissa Shields. And it's a shame because this fight was meant to go down a few weeks ago when Shields was... Shields was meant to be on Savannah Marshall's undercard and I think it got put back. So uh, the two won't be fighting on the same card, but the two schedules will work out as Shields only fought a matter of months ago against Cozin and that was dreadful, but it is uh, it is what it is. <laughs> well, let's get out of here. MMA Sucker Crew, my name is Tim Wheat with Fraser Crone. Uh, see you all next week. Uh, Fraser, any last words? I mean, next week's going to be mostly a preview preview show, so uh, look forward to that because we won't like like we're alluding to. There won't be too much to break down. So yeah, keep it locked to our MMA soccer this week. We'll have plenty of more, maybe more opinion based articles this week as it's uh, looking a little thin on the ground. Cheers, folks. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs>